0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of Mystery School. I'm your host, Jacob Cox, and tonight's topic is Christianity. With a little bit of a spin, um, we also wanted to kind of make a series out of this and call it Resurrecting Christianity. Not that it's dead or anything like that, but there's definitely a sense out there now that some people are straying away from, from this topic, this religion, um, this idea and i think that's probably because it has been hijacked a little bit there are people who are using it for their own means their own their own good and um, are not so good and i think that has played a big part in how people are seeing the whole story but it's not the whole story it's you know it's about these people putting a certain person on a pedestal and then putting themselves as the middleman you know that they're the father there's someone in between us and Jesus that they can help us get to the to God or they can connect us to God or Jesus and I think Jesus's teachings was completely the opposite of that you know that he was saying that we all have connection to the father and um I think that's what's super important about his teachings is the most important things about Christianity to me in my in my opinion is is the words written in read. You know, the the actual things that Jesus said, and the things that he was talking about and these parables that he was giving, because it's obvious that they were much more than cute little stories. They were, you know, really stories about ourselves, our own stories of who we are in our journey. And, um, you know, these parables really we're almost like quantum physics of how the universe works and how we play a big part of that. So I think that's really important. So we want to take tonight this resurrecting resurrecting Christianity to bring it back to life, to bring it back to what Christ was actually teaching. What you know, 2000 years ago would I believe that he would hope that we would be talking about what the what we would be sharing, how we would be having this relationship with with him and with God because that's what we, that's what we are. We are literally the children of God and we don't need someone to be our middleman. We can definitely, you know, when it says go into a room and to pray, you know, go by yourself. You don't need someone to go in there and be your middleman to, you know, tell you how to pray or um, connect you to, you know, I'm I have a father and I'm a son, so I don't need someone to go talk to my father for me or, or, or play a, you know, ask someone to go send a message to him. I know him directly. <laughs> I know him very well, so there's no reason for me to ask anybody to go, you know, send a message to him or whatever, or ask him his opinion. Like, I, I can go to the source because I came from that source. So, yeah, we want to we make this tonight, um, you know, many episodes will come out of this in the future, different, um, you know, similar but different. Tonight, we're probably going to mainly focus on Matthew, but um, before we go any farther, I definitely want to go ahead and for the first time ever, I'm very grateful to share the screen with my beautiful friend, uh, Mike Waskowski, He's with us tonight, the creator of Ascension Works TV. And I just want to say thank you to him and, and allow him to say a few things right now. He's definitely a guy I've known for several years now. And I'm, like I said, grateful to be on this uh, Ascension Works TV just literally because he enjoys what I have to talk about. <laughs> so I want to throw it over to you for a second, Mike. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us and helping us with this incredible topic tonight.
1: Thanks, Jacob. Yep. We've been talking about this subject for a while now. And we have actually like three different recordings we've done that I'm going to have to post up in the same place. I probably like called it Resurrecting Christianity podcast. People can find all the conversations we're having because I very much appreciate Jacob's familiarity with the Bible and the interpretations, which seem to be sometimes um, underemphasized or not not known by you know mainstream Protestant Christians um, or not appreciated properly in the in the bigger context of what what the power of the teachings of jesus actually represent in in our society um as it kind of gets has gotten distorted and lost but i as for some disclaimers i wanted to start out saying that uh you know both me and jacob we're, we're not trained bible scholars we're just offering our opinions this is strictly just opinions and if you if you think that you know we might have gotten some details wrong we're happy to be corrected if you if you know of any mistakes we're making please please let us know Um, And if something doesn't resonate with you, if you feel like something's off, don't let it bother you. um, But you're free to ignore it. You're free to disbelieve us, and just let us know um, if you if you feel like we need to be corrected. Um, And we we have our own unique beliefs. Me and Jacob, Um, we haven't had a chance to talk about everything yet. We're we're happy to be able to talk more and figure out what these differences are. But we're all on different paths, uh, different points on the journey, and everybody's path is going to be different. Everybody's beliefs are going to be different. That's totally fine. But we do believe that there is generally one great way one path to love or the logos that that jesus was pointing us towards and that's ultimately what the point of this is is becoming um sort of representatives of that of that great path which is the path of unconditional love that is becoming more appreciated hopefully more appreciated on earth thanks to jesus teachings and thanks to the work of many many people like jacob and others who are trying to be a humble servants of the of this path this way to love that we feel a part of now. Um, And so we just feel like we're a very small part of a much larger movement. Whether or not it's called Christianity, this is the path that that we are we are trying to represent to fulfill the mission of Jesus as we understand it, um, to, to return in humble service to, to sharing unconditional love and and greater light with humanity. And uh, and to some degree we're all still hypocrites on this journey. We're all still like the Pharisees that we're probably going to talk about, Mm -hmm. I think. And uh, we can't say that we're that we're perfect or we have it all figured out, and we're just we're just trying our best to try to get back to to what this what this deeper meaning really is that Jesus was trying to teach to us. Um, and uh, with that said, uh, I did want to make one other comment here on what you were saying, Jacob, um, about no no middlemen, because I think that the the, the natural tendency of human um, corruption and human control mechanisms to try to, you know, get more money and more power, more influence. It naturally will lead to people and groups wanting to have authority systems in place. And the way, the way it seemed to have proceeded since the time of Jesus was, you know, you had the Roman Catholic church um, eventually trying to take control of all the different separate movements. And then once that became sort of the biggest player in town, then you had the Orthodox church split away because they didn't like the way that the Roman Catholic church was trying to declare unified authority, and they wanted to have separate authority systems. That's my understanding of why that split happened, you know, many, many hundreds of years ago. And then the Protestant Church a few hundred years ago was split a, a, a lot from the from the Catholic Church also. And it seems as though what, what happened then was um, a lot of people decided, we're going to say the authority now is the Bible, and it's not the Roman Catholic Church. But the same issues kind of happen again with now we have a situation in our society where everyone is pointing to Bible scholars as the authority, and whatever that person says about the Bible, because I th- I trust what they're saying most about the Bible and their interpretations and what they say Jesus is. So we end up having people who are in theological institutions being the middlemen now, representing all sorts of different sects of of uh, you know denominations of Christianity, and it's it's just gotten way out of out of hand. And that no one no one could kind of not fight over beliefs in, inside of the Christian church. Everyone's just kind of at each other's throats, which is essentially. Um, what what I would call a work of the flesh. It's divisions, dissensions, rivalries, which were spoken of by Paul, which are contrasted against the works of the, you know, the the fruits of the spirit, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And the fruits of the spirit, to me represent the spirit of truth, what Jesus talks about, pointing us to the spirit of truth, and that we will know the truth when we have the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth is known by having the fruits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. So that's the, that's the sort of foundation that I would say for uh how I, I like to evaluate truth is is this is this bearing the fruit that we're seeking of of the love of Jesus.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Mentioning the Bible, you know, it's it's interesting because most people say you're a Christian if you read the Bible and you know about the Bible. And um really honestly, Christianity is is by far the least amount in there. I mean, you know, the I guess mostly Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um The Gospels and, you know, some of the later stories, obviously, after Christ has already came and been crucified, and that's what most people would claim to be Christianity. But if I was to ask, you know, most people right now who claim to be Christian, we have about, what, 2 billion people claiming to be Christian uh, today on the planet. I think a lot of them would point me to the Old Old Testament, to the Ten Commandments. And say, "Thou shalt have no other gods before me," or "Thou shalt not make, um, un, you know, any make any ungraven images or graven images, you know, any idols or whatever." And people would say those are like the first two commandments. And I'm like, actually, no, that would mean you're Judas, you're, you're you're you know, you're that's Judaism. You know, you're that's like kind of the Jewish, the Torah, the old books of the Bible. But really, when Christ was when he was here, when he was on the planet and he you know he said um according to him he said love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind this is the first and the greatest commandment and the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments literally the first two commandments are about love they're not about graven images or having any other gods before me that's like that's judaism that's uh, in the Old Torah, and but that's where, as a as a young person growing up, that's exactly where anybody that I would have talked to would have said, you know, what are the commandments? What are the first two commandments, and that I would have been pointed to the Old Testament one hundred percent every time. So that's interesting that we have this incredible book, and really you know, just deciphering where it came from, how it came about, found in these temples, hidden away in different books. And they're really honestly not put in a lot of particular order. Some major points after came after, but there's a lot of stuff, especially in the Old Testament, that is probably way out of order. And, um, you know, there's no verification on that. So, you know, it's just interesting how we look at this and have to kind of really take it with a grain of salt. And knowing that there is there was a council of Nicaea that really, took it and said, Oh, we well, you all got, y'all found that. We'll give it to us. Let us decipher it. Let us tell you what books are good and which ones you can keep in and books like the book of Enoch. Let's, that's probably a little too much for you guys. So we're going to keep that out. And you know, why not? Why not keep all of it in there? Let us read all of it. Let us, if, if, if it's not all true, then none of it's true to me. So I want to read all of it, you know, and I want to know why in Genesis Enoch was the first, you know, one of the big Patriots that we learned, um, uh Patriots, one of the pa- patriarchy that we learned about and you know said he lived for 365 years and that he didn't die. Um, that God took him up. So I want to know about those things. But, you know, again, I want to stick to Christianity. So it is incredibly humbling to know how much information is in that book, how much is there, and you know how much we have of Jesus' life because the majority of his life he's gone. He's um, you know, 13 to 30 ish, where Missing, and unless you read some of these other books out there where it looks like he's traveling around um to Tibet and other places and kind of learning different mysteries, learning different sects and everything like that to gather up the information. Um, yeah, there's a there's a big chunk of that missing of this, you know, figure who's really the whole bread and butter of the entire religion. Um, but like Mike was saying earlier, a lot of this stuff has been hijacked. It's been used in a certain way. Um, I mean, a lot of, I mean, let's be honest, a lot of people in our, in our planet, on our planet have been killed in the name of Christianity. And I have stood in the Yucatan, um, where there's a big Catholic church literally on top of a Mayan temple. And you can buy a ticket and go in the temple and it's right up underneath it. And, um, And from my experience, when I walked up to this temple there were several look like homeless people who were very low energy, they were begging for money and they were all standing and sitting right in front of the church. And I, you know, felt really like down and low grade energy. And so I just kind of peeked my head and looked around for a second. And then I walked down the side of the church and turned the corner and the backside where this other temple was, this my temple was was these people dancing and smudging and, and, you know, uh, praying and it just much more high vibrant energy. And it was just like, wow, like these little, these people literally came and like built these buildings right on top of temples that were literally already there and been there for a long time. So I could see how a lot of people would honestly, um, you know, really be hurt by this, be triggered by this, be traumatized by Christianity over the years, especially because I am a person who does totally believe in reincarnation and um, you know, that we, we live many lives. And um, so you could have been someone who definitely affected by these uh, these things that were going on in the past to to bring about this religion that was obviously definitely not about the teachings of Christ because the teachings are definitely very different, but I feel like my purpose for this, and I and I want to let Mike speak for himself, but I have like this Judas complex where I feel like I let him down some way, somehow. But over the course of my life for many years now, I've had many visions and dreams of being in a room with him, with Christ, and having him divulge these parables to me. And I've been and the waking day, mostly by myself, but a couple of times, even with my parents where I felt like a nudge on my shoulder and then a, a whisper, you know, into my ear and knowing a whole parable just downloaded right there at that moment. And so I feel like it is true that Christ is here. There is a energy in that is with us all the time and that we can truly have a relationship with Christ. And it's not about saying, because I say the words Christ is my Lord and Savior, and he's in my heart. Save me. So I'm good. I'm going to heaven. I believe there's much more than that. The kingdom of heaven is a mystery, and whoever shall know themselves shall find it. And we really have to know ourselves. We have to get to know God and the universe and who we are and have that relationship. And when we do, I think the same way he was, you know, kind of tucked away told these parables out in the open, and then they went behind these closed doors, tucked away from society to, to, to divulge the secrets of what these these parables were about, um, is how you can literally be today. You can literally be in your own house, in your own room, praying to God, and God literally divulged these secrets to you of the universe. Mike, do you have something for that?
1: I mean, yeah, I think that it's, it's appropriate for us to appreciate that the you know what what the bible was pointing us towards is a kind of mystical connection to a divine source of information which is sort of beyond the words on the page and you know the word logos is kind of i think mistranslated to word or at least the word word is is insufficient to to talk about when the bible many many places for example the book of john the most famous example is in the beginning was the word in, in the beginning was the logos is the, is the correct word and that word logos is essentially referring to like the the Greek philosophy that well, there are many different branches of the Greek philosophy where they were using that word logos, so it's kind of a unifying symbol. But to see the love of Jesus manifest as this person and also manifesting as the logos, and for example, the the Law of One books, the raw contact books describe the logos more as like the the mind or the heart of the galaxy that inspired all of the all of the creations within our galaxy um, and and every galaxy on on a, on a higher level. It's like this this hierarchy of the loving intelligence of god coming down and manifesting through everything that we are always connected to and we always could tap into and we have that same power and potential with with the you know the the unlimited intelligence of of god that we could tap into with with connection with that divine love and also um the you know the, the ability to be of just greater service through through continuously submitting ourselves back again and again to that to that divine source which we're always connected to
0: Right. Yes. We're always connected to it, whether we know it or not. Right. And that's, that's what's important and whether we know it or not, but I, what I, I love what you said there. And what I want to add is to me, Christianity is so different than what I grew up with, but I'm glad that I grew up with what I did because now I got this incredible contrast because I don't think that Jesus was sitting there with 12 disciples in a room, judging everybody on it. What did you wear today? You know, did you wear your Sunday best to come in here and listen to what I have to talk about? <laughs> you know, that's not what they were doing. He doesn't care about that. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Let's talk about what these parables mean and what these, these these stories that I'm trying to tell, what I'm trying to incite in you. And I can, you know, and I imagine, I imagine so many times and I've envisioned it into the point where it's like, you know, like I said, it's become a vision for me. It's become dreams for me. Um, it's become my waking reality to have a parable just divulged to me. So, but it's, you know, it's really incredible that we do have this relationship. Um, Christ is, you know, with us all the time. I think it uh, is with us all the time. And and it's not something that, you know, died out 2000 years ago and it's gone. I mean, even the story goes, even when he, uh, was put into the cave or whatever and came back three days and then he was here on the planet for 40 days after that. And like, that's, I mean, that's mind blowing to know that there was this being who died and came back and was here for 40 days. And now I've heard other stories of, of resurrecting stories where people died and and they went, they walked up into heaven and the clothes fell down, shining, glim- glimmering lights and stuff. And they already come back after a couple of days, but you don't really ever hear a story about where somebody was actually here back on the planet for uh, any length of time after that resurrection. Um, usually it's like they, they kind of fade into heaven or something like that. But um, But yeah, again, I think these people were—they weren't caring about what people were wearing. They weren't caring about, you know, singing hymns and stuff. And I think that's all great and stuff. But I think you know they—they they were really behind these closed doors. And to be honest, it a lot of it resonates with what's going on today. It, you know, you got these people who co- will cancel you. You know, uh, cancel culture—if you say something the wrong thing, you say something people don't like, and all of a sudden they'll cancel you. Back then. You could lose your life for saying the wrong things. You could say your, you could say something that was against what religion had, you know, going for the day. And you said the wrong things, or you broke the Sabbath, you could be punished severely. You know, nowadays that doesn't really happen, but we're getting to a point where you could you could lose your job, you could lose all your money, you could lose your podcast, you can lose all kinds of things by saying the wrong things. And so it makes sense that he had to speak in these parables out you know, not just because people didn't understand him, but he gave, you know, these, these parables to people out in, the, in the everyday world, but then he had to go to everybody, what the, what the meaning of those parables were behind closed doors, because he couldn't just say that stuff. He couldn't just say, you know, I am God and, um, and all, all the things that he was saying, because eventually they did get him killed. He was, he was martyred for saying these things. And And I think that's what's really important. But I I tend to think these people were much more like kind of modern day people like today. I mean, you look at a lot of the old Christian artwork and there's mushrooms and stuff like all over these paintings. And I tend to think that they are putting it out there. They're showing you, but they're not saying it out in the open because It'll get you killed. So you have to be careful, but they're putting what, you know, I I believe that there probably were, you know, teachings about, I mean, some people even think Jesus was a mushroom. I don't think that he was, I think he was a real person. There's too many accounts. There's too many stories. Um, not just the books of the Bible, but other around the world where like I said, they, you know, they meet up with Yeshua. He's going around and learning different things and he's described in the same way in the same time period. So I think, you know, there's more than enough ample evidence that he did exist, but um, I do think these people probably were, you know, like us, you know, just like us today, you know, people who are mushrooms, they're searching for truth. They are trying to expand their mind and, you know um, and that was against what was um, you know the modern day, the modern time. You know was to, was to take these kind of things and to alter the mind state. And um, these people were doing things they weren't supposed to be doing at the time. But honestly, it's something you should be doing. You should be sitting in sitting in darkness to um, to see great lights, and you know trying plant medicines and things that obviously our our planet makes naturally, as opposed to the things that are made in factories. And um, and convinced that some chemicals that people mix together in a factory is better for you than a plant that's grows naturally on the planet. So I, you know, I think that there's a lot to that. And I think, you know, getting away from this, having to dress up in a certain way and look a certain way and, and be judged at church is, is what Jesus, I don't think that's what he was hoping would be happening in 2000 years. He probably saw it, but he definitely, I don't think what he was saying the meat of what he was saying, the Sermon on the Mount and all these things um, that got him killed, I don't think was, you know, what he was hoping for would come from what he was saying. But I think what he did was so loving, was so incredible <clears throat> for 2000 years. Nobody's forgotten. You know, we all know what happened that. And I don't necessarily think that he died for our sins, but he definitely died because of him because we didn't stand up and say, hey, that's not right. That guy hadn't hadn't done anything wrong. You know, the crowd had, not that Barabbas deserved to die either for whatever he did, but, you know, certainly Christ, you know, many people say it was perfect, and, you know, everything he was doing was beautiful and great and helping people and and healing people, and uh, it's incredible that he taught this group of people. He's like, go in the cities and heal people up, and, I mean, you know, like, I feel like more than anything— You know i've talked to many people if i had one superpower in the whole world that would be it it would just be you know incredible to help people especially in a time like this when you know because of these chemical medicines and stuff people are sick and people hurting and chemicals in our food and our water and now is the time more than ever that we're kind of coming back to there's some serious disease on this planet and if we could learn these technique techniques again of healing then i would you know that's what i want to do more than anything is Throw down my life and follow him, and and do these things that they were doing. Yeah,
1: that's there's a lot we could unpack there. But I also think you know maybe we could just, just start going into the into the text now if you want to get into. Yeah,
0: yeah. You want to? Let's do that. I'll pull mine up right now. Um, Yeah,
1: this is feels like this is valuable to just spend more time just talking about what he said and starting there. We'll
0: let I just let everybody know kind of where we're at. tonight mike and i will only be in the book of matthew that's just where we're going to be for the sake of time um so tonight we're just going to start in matthew 5 and we we're on this <clears throat> not every single page but most pages where there's a lot of good things we are we're going to um read from that so if you anybody wants to follow along if you got your bible feel free to get it out and let's do it so first off we're in matthew 5 this is literally the, induction, um, the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount. And I just, I highlighted this first line because I felt like it was so important. It's blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I love it because, you know, I didn't know what that meant as a kid, but I'd heard that many times. And it makes sense now because you're blessed if you're poor in spirit. To me, it means I'm so poor in it that I'm a beggar of it. I need more spirit. I've had these um, incredible experiences where I've been completely engulfed by the Holy Spirit. And it was so amazing and so incredible. I feel like I want to have more of those experiences. So I'm constantly digging deep and uh, listening to my intuition um, and my connection to God in order to have more spiritual experiences to kind of gather up more of that spirit.
1: Yeah, the the way I view this also is that all these beatitudes seem to relate to hu- humility and appreciating that you know life circumstances um, that that lead us to challenging situations are usually there to for a spiritual reason that, that this is this is teaching us about the nature of heaven as we as we humble ourselves and as we become more more open to the fact that we are we are not better than everyone else you know that, that that's really what where people get tripped up on is when they start to. You know, think that they they have something special or that they are separate uh, it's, it's the it's the you know it's the specialness that emphasizes the separateness from god that ends up being the downfall of a lot of people i think when they don't they don't have the circumstances that bring them back into the the, the poor spirit or the the humble spirit um which is also represented here by i think you know those who mourn uh those blessed are the meek um, right those who hunger and thirst for righteousness
0: Yeah, I mean, he literally says in different parts, especially Matthew, that if you want to become first, you know, then you need to become last. You know, whoever humbles himself as little children, you become the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So that's exactly what this whole page really is about. You know, the the meek will inherit the earth Um, and are those who are hunger and thirst for righteousness. And that's kind of what I was saying again earlier, but definitely blessed are the peacemakers. That doesn't get said enough at all. You know, for they will be called the children of God, like peacemakers. I don't I'm sorry, but there's no side of any war where there's anybody who's being a peacemaker. And I think that's super important. You have to take ourselves out of the fight, surrender, take ourselves off of the polarization of being on one side or the other and be a peacemaker. I'm totally a peacemaker. I'm here for peace. That's what I'm here for. And I think that's what we really have to read this as and say this again, because if you want to really be a Christian, I mean, there's no side of any war that you could justify. I don't think.
1: Yeah, but yeah, there's a whole, you know, bunch of mind programming that lets people think that war is justified. But if you can appreciate that there's like metaphysical laws around the nature of of seeking peace, and that you know pursuing peace leads to peace, and that that you will be divinely blessed as a child of God if you're you know if the peacemaker, blessed are the peacemakers so for they will be called the children of God. You know, you, you you have a certain kind of protection around you automatically when, when you are. I mean, just like in examples of you know in, in war situations where um, somebody is known to be, uh, you know, doing very good as as a healer on the battlefield, you will not go after the healer because everyone kind of knows you don't you don't shoot the healer. Um, um yeah, and then that that that's also like well emphasized by you know, turn the other cheek. Is another kind of idea that it's just um it's so it's so hard for people to really sit that into their actual philosophy of life because of how 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 much it's almost like there's a there's a there's a desire to take on a a higher level of wisdom that no no you can't you can't turn the other cheek in this circumstance because you want to make more money (laughs) there's Uh all these different ways or, or or something and and of course you know if if we can be truly trusting, that's something we'll get into later, I'm sure, with mm-hmm. verses about the birds and they don't have to worry, don't have to worry about tomorrow. I think the, the, the peacemaker is somebody who can trust in the value of peace without having to worry that there's some consequence of pursuing peace too strongly. Some negative yeah. consequence. <laughs> yeah,
0: 100. Yeah, 100%, yeah. You, you're you're not going to be faulted by pursuing peace too too much. Um, and I like the last part here. Oh, blessed are you when people insult you persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you just like the same way they martyred many people uh like antipas and and john the baptist and other people who lost their lives because of their spirituality and i would even go as far as to say like some of the people who the modern day witches, which a lot of them weren't even really witches, but um, that spiritual concept of Wicca and stuff was really right on with a lot of things uh, being a nature and stuff that Christ was talking about in very similar ways. And probably in the same way, this guy's put up on a cross and crucified and other people are martyred. I think even, you know, the witches and wizards and stuff were, were burned at the stake as well. And because of the same kind of spiritual understanding that they may have had that other people just didn't understand. Yeah. And, and we can never forget that yeah
1: jesus was killed and we we can we can put him up on a pedestal and but it's like what is it about our society that just automatically thinks that that this kind of person should be should be a threat should be seen as a threat um and there's a lot of reasons but i, I do think authority is one of the reasons and if, if you're showing a certain degree of power even if your power is promoting peace that that's still seen as a threat
0: yes yeah because it it blows away everything establishment has to, for control. Yeah. When everyone, when people are living in peace, when they're, when they're free, when they have time to think about things and, and relax and meditate, you know, you realize I don't have any, you're my brother, you're my sister. I have no reason to hate you. I have no reason to want to hurt anybody. Um, but as long as we're polarized to be Democrat, or Republican, you know, light skin, dark skin, uh, whatever it is, then we'll constantly be fighting and killing each other. And it's there's no need for it when we're all when we're all one and we realize we're all brothers and sisters and we should literally love our neighbors and love our enemies too because there's no any enemy you have there's nobody you can find out there that has more differences than 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 you than they do um, similarities everyone has by far more things that we're alike than we could ever be different yeah so the next one here was um,
1: Matthew five fourteen.
0: Yeah, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Now, to me, this is one of those parables where it's directly talking about you. And it's probably mostly referring to the pineal gland being at the top of the head, being you being the lampstand and the pineal gland being at the top of the head. Yeah, and if the nature of light here is also kind of a veiled teaching
1: because, and also the nature of salt right above it. What what is what does the salt? What does salt mean to us? You know, it's it's giving a things flavor, mm-hmm. and, and the light is giving illumination to the things that were in shadow or darkness. Um, so there, there's a lot of shadows in our society, a lot of misdirection and mistruth you know, um, misinformation. And, and I think light, light is ultimately really the, the, the nature of God that we are, they were seeking to become more like and to radiate. Um, but yeah, that that can be interpreted in a lot of ways. I think the nature of light.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, again, that light, Go, you know, really going in with the pineal gland and looking at this picture behind me and, you know, kind of focused on Jesus's pineal gland right here in, in the center of his head. And, and that's why probably these people, you know, back in the day saw without the chemicals and the crap and the food and the water, people probably saw these lights around people and these auras around people a lot more, more commonly than we do today. The distortion that's in the world today definitely probably makes it a lot harder for us to see those things. I think we will, um, as we start to turn back on, our pineal glands start to open back up um, we'll probably be able to see these things a lot more than we have in the past. But, uh, you know, I definitely think that um, it's really talking about that in the lampstand part of this. And then the fulfillment of the law, um, you know, like I said, to get through this tonight, we're going to have to skip some things, but there's definitely good things in all this. But the thing that I really loved the most was basically, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So. That's what I was talking about earlier. That you don't need a father or some kind of, you know, uh preacher or something who knows more about this law who can tell you, don't worry, I read this book, I can tell you exactly what it means. No, 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 no. That's that is to your detriment by far. You need to do righteous, you need to be righteous. You need to have this connection with God. You need to, you know, don't blame on anybody else for your suffering. It's your responsibility it's your connection it's your it's your father mother god whatever you want to call it um but it's it's on you and and you need to take responsibility for it, and not believe that someone in some church who's standing and getting paid up there is has any more connection than than anybody who's sitting anywhere in the entire place yeah
1: yeah and it's 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 fair to assume that a lot of us have a lot more work to do than than we tend to put on. I think that's kind of the emphasis is that the the Pharisees were the seen as the most religious people and they're just not
0: not fully getting it. Matthew five twenty one. Uh so again I'm gonna skip a little bit. Um he says, you know, you've heard said that you're not supposed to murder anyone and 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 murderers will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with the brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Like literally saying the things that you say, the judgments that you hold, holding a grudge against someone puts you in the danger of fire of hell. And to me, just personally, I do believe that hell is a place here it's a feeling it's a state of being it's i've held on to grudges before in my life in you know my first yoga class do the the back bend and had like this euphoric release um, that i knew all of a sudden that i had held grudges against people and held on to them and didn't ever forgive them and just kind of held on to it and didn't think anything about it you know just years and years later but like going to my first yoga class i was like oh my god i held a grudge against this person and it had i had back pain because of it or this this physical problem that i have is because of that um, and it was a euphoric release when i did that yoga move at that point and i realized that, that i had literally held grudge against people and it hurt me physically um and that's that's crazy to think that the things that we think the emotions that we feel the the hate that we harbor we harbor in our own bodies and our own temples
1: I think it's probably fair for me to make a quick note here for people who have never heard this, that the the word hell here is, it, certainly the word hell is taken from different different uh, Greek words that were kind of combined into one concept over generations, over centuries, since this was originally written. And the, the word here was Gehenna in the Greek, which means Valley of Hinnom. And that's referred to in the Old Testament also, but it's not called hell in the Old Testament. It's called the Valley of Hinnom. Um, and that is a place where uh, Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, talks about the the sacrifice of of children, like like human sacrifice of children in in fires. And that's it's and it's I think it's clearly why Jesus was invoking this word Gehenna is because the and there's there's many layers of the theology around this, but the fact that it's glossed over that Jesus is talking about the Old Testament here, and and the the intensity of what can happen. And and in, uh, in situations where people are, are, are sort of giving themselves over to idols to a degree, giving themselves over to to the demonic influences of our world that will be seeking these kinds of sacrifices and and injuries upon upon ourselves, even to the point of killing children. I think that's that's the deeper meaning of mm. hell here, and it definitely is something going on on Earth right now, even though it might speak of sort of demonic dimensions at the same time. You
0: see, that's why I love you, man. That's why, because you know that, that made, that made everything I said, just, you know, better. And yeah, that's so great. Um, and so we move on down and it talks about the altar again, um, and then saying settle matters quickly with your adversary, who is taking you to court, do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. So you know. And and not necessarily in this one, but it says if someone's trying to grab your coat, give them give them your shoes and your shirt, everything, whatever they're trying to get, give them that and more. But don't ever take anyone to court. Don't let anyone take you to court. Give them more than they're asking for so that they feel um, that they've got what they need. If someone, you know, whatever it is, you know, someone is a part of the universe. Someone is the universe. So, you know, if someone's trying to take something from you. Let them have it. Give them more than they than they're asking for. Get them off of your case. Don't let anybody have these kind of negative intentions about you that you've done them wrong and that you owe them. it's It's good to settle matters so that you don't have these energetic, you know kind of ties with people. Um, we need to cut those. And the best way to cut those is, oh, you want that here. Give it. take it. whatever you want. You know, they're treasures of the physical anyway. And later on, they'll talk about, you know, we should really, our treasures should be that of the things that are unseen, not these cloaks and shirts and pants and shoes and cars and monies and stuff like that. That stuff is temporary. We're looking for the things and we should want to look for the things that are, you know, infinite and, uh, you know, love, kindness, compassion, those kind of things.
1: Yeah, Jacob, I'm totally fine with uh, not trying to cover everything, tonight and doing a part two, because it's this is, this is such great stuff to get into and i I know you feel like you
0: gotta rush through it (laughs) yeah i feel like that
1: the 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 core of this that it's like a theme through through some of these teachings is really about having an open heart towards people because you you can't really look at your quote-unquote adversary and and not have love and also have this desire to settle matters quickly it's Mm. the same thing as when jesus says to pray for your enemies it's like if you see yourself as having an enemy what what is your prayer really if if they if you think of them as an enemy you have to think of them as a friend to want the best for them to open your heart up and and really truly um um see what it is that's needed in their life and empathize with where they're at and i think that's what's what's going on right here with the idea of um just if you're going on the way to to settle a dispute just settle it right where you're at just don't even wait um
0: it kind of goes along with that um, Abraham Lincoln quote, too. And he goes, well, kind of what's the best way to defeat an enemy Let's turn him into a friend. It's got to be the easiest and and honestly, just the most powerful of anything you can do to anybody. I mean, because honestly, to me, everyone comes back. But, you know, when you turn someone into an enemy into a friend, now you have someone against you. You turn them into someone who's for you. And I've had those people in my life. I've had those enemies that people that I absolutely hated. And then I finally gave them a chance and heard them out and talked to them. And the next thing you know, they became my biggest fans. And the work that I had done for many years, you know, they shared it and talked about it. And, and I just couldn't believe that they were even into that kind of stuff. But you just have to give people a chance because I'm telling you, everyone is more like you than they could ever be different. Anybody directly in your life, I guarantee you, is more like you than they could ever be different. And it's just this illusion that people who speak a different language, or people who have slightly different skin colors, or wear different kinds of you know coats and jackets and clothes, that they're these evil people that are so much different than we are.
1: Yeah. Yep. And this next one here might be a can of worms for some people. Um, <laughs> the The idea that uh, that uh, lust could be could be seen as a as a sin before. For it turns into an action, which just remains a thought. Um, and I actually i've done i've done a a, a study on this word um, to see to see what are the other Bible translations say about this. Uh, where it says, "I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart." Mm-hmm. And some some Bible translations talk about um, a possession. The concept of possession, a d- desire, is is a is a translation for this word. It's called lust, and it's like a desire for possession, and one of the ways I, I see this is that um, you know sexuality can be expressed across different chakra levels. This is something the, the Law of One books talk about? And and if you're if you're in the in the mindset of possession or desiring in like the the lower natures, you will you will look at a person not with a fully open, unconditional, loving heart. That would ask what is actually the best thing for this person in this situation. You know, when you're society where there where there's clearly you know marriage agreements, the best thing for people is to to honor their agreements, to be in unconditional love with one another, and and mm-hmm. possession is, is a way of uh, of uh, sort of invoking something that is that is that is less than the purified love that I think sexuality is calling us towards on some level. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, and that's that's I totally agree with that. And then another thing that um, reading upon this many years ago. I was also learning about Heart Math Institute and how they were, you know, realizing how intelligent the heart was and the heart actually sent more energy to the brain than the brain sent to the heart. And, you know, that when they hooked people up to computers and showed them images, the heart even picked up the images and started to beat faster, you know, create people to um, uh, perspire more. But what was interesting is that if, if you hook someone up hook someone's brain up to uh, you know a computer and you run a race, when you sit down and you imagine running the same race, the same parts of your brain light up And I would imagine I'd never heard this from the Heart method too, and I was always looking for it, but I never could never found it. I would imagine if you were to watch and especially in today's society when we have a lot of pornographic uh, influence coming at us um, I would imagine the same parts of your brain, that light up when you're, when you're watching a race and when you're just imagining, I would imagine when you're watching pornography, the same parts of your heart probably turn off as if you were actually doing it because it's not, you know, in the lustful way, you know what I mean? We're not, when we're not loving someone, we're literally there to, to get them, you know, to, uh, do this in a in, in a negative, unloving, uh, unpassionate way when it's just about what I can get from somebody. Um, There's many beautiful people out there and maybe some of us experience that where you've gone after someone because you're lusting over them. And then usually after it's over, it's not very fulfilling in the same way it is with someone who you really have a connection with someone that the reason that you, you know, you're having sex with them is because you really care about them and you love them. Uh, It's much different. So, yeah, I would think that, you know, just by thinking about those things, you know, does things to your heart and to your brain and probably very detrimental to your physical body. I mean, heart disease is by far the number one kill around the world. And I would think it's not just because our hearts are, you know, muscles that pump blood, but they're intuitive, intelligent with neurons, connected muscles that, that do a lot. And when, in their electrical systems, and when we do things against those electrical systems, it shuts down. Yeah. And
1: it's interesting when you're talking about something like pornography. Here we have if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. Um, I think it's easier for people to recognize and if your computer is causing you to stumble, you can you
0: can <laughs> find a way to, to
1: to cut it out of your life in some way <laughs> too. In <the> trash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's that's a that's a much deeper teaching here that um it's really about for me the idea of strengthening your will to to do what it takes to to create the life for yourself that you're wanting by, by being very disciplined.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's really serious about, I mean, you cut your hand off if it's If you're going to make an excuse and say, it's my hand doing it or this, you need to cut it off then get rid of it. Cause it's, you know, that is detrimental to your spiritual evolution, you know, and that's, what's the most important here. It sounds like is that we really are spiritual beings having the human experience, not human beings trying to have a spiritual, we're human, we're spiritual beings. And you know, that's what we're, we're here for, you know, is to have this spiritual experience in the, in the flesh. Um, and to you know become these the son of man, you know, become um, you know, the actual children of God to become perfect because we really are, yeah. Next one,
1: next one. Uh, well, I guess we they mentioned divorce here, yeah. Um, and then oaths, which is funny how there's a kind of connected,
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, right? Because you usually make that oath to to get married, yeah. Um
1: <laughs> and of course, I mean, it's a it's a it's a cultural thing very much too, the way people view marriage and oh yes, yeah. yeah
0: right, but I mean at the end of the day to me, marriage is marrying up with somebody else, you know, um it's not necessarily a ring that you put on their finger, but when you have sex with someone when you you know uh you marry up your energy with them, I don't know if you guys have you know dated multiple people or you had that one person, but you realize like when you You know, when you're married up with someone, the things that they're good at, you can almost kind of like balance yourself out with the things that they're good at and the things you're good at. Vice versa, they can kind of balance themselves out like someone who's introvert oftentimes will date someone who's extrovert and they both kind of balance each other out and it feels good. And when they break it off with that person, you don't have that same feeling inside of yourself. And so I feel like um, it's not necessarily about the rings on the finger, but this this uh, marriage of who we are with our energy and you know just going around having sex with people um you know and being adulterous i guess is is the word um it's really not that great for people it definitely has in our society obviously has some real appeal to it for a lot of people and i was definitely someone who was stuck in that trap as well but i feel much more happier as a person by by cutting that and not and being with one person then uh multiple people in my in my perspective in my view in my feeling um it's much more easier with there's a lot of energy everybody has a lot of energy when you have sex people it's almost like you're uploading and downloading energies from back and forth to each other um so just doing that in general um i feel i can be very you know crazy to your system to upload and download those things from people. And when Christ says, you know, if you really want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you be like little kids. And I hang out with little kids regularly. I hang out on playgrounds. I hang out in daycares. And I tell you what, man, when these kids are playing with each other, none of them care about that kind of stuff. They don't care about what someone looks like and how pretty they are. But when you go, you want to go to a bar or something and everything is, you know, um, just centered around what someone looks like you're going to give somebody a free drink. Cause they look good. And these people are going to get to come in this, come in the door because they look good. And, um, it's our whole society is completely different than that. But as little kids, it's genuine fun. It's like, I just want to play with you. I just want to hang out with you. I want to, I want to love you. I want to you know, do things with you. And that's, that's the beauty of it. And that's to me, what that heaven must be like is that, you know, everyone doesn't want to just take from you and get from you as it, they want to play with you and they want to build with you and they want to create with you. Um, but we'll go down to oaths. Um, again, you have heard that it was said to people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill the Lord the vows that you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven or it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for the city of the great king. You know, basically saying, Don't swear about anything. Do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair. White or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. That you don't need to swear any oaths. You don't need to swear on the Bible. Um I just thought this was something cool because it is something that we talk about a lot. And people say, Oh, I swear by it. I swear by the Bible, or whatever. And you know, here's Christ saying, Dude, you don't need to swear by anything. Yes or no? That's it. That's all too much, you know, and um it's probably worse to say yes, I'll do something and not do it than than to do it. Wait, it's probably worse to say you're going to do something and not do it than than not say you're going to do it and do it. Um, yeah. I, I why say you're going to do something and lie about it, and as opposed to okay, maybe I'll do that, maybe I won't. But yes, you know, yes or no. But there's no reason to to get down and swear by things and make them law. I guess um, it seems to be in this case, it just makes sense that like simply yes or no is all you need.
1: Yeah. It's kind of a tool for manipulation and control too, that you can kind of avoid sidestep some of the yeah, the power games that people play with one another when they, they try to, you know, force people into agreements with some some extra certification on that agreement than simply agreeing in the way that they can as just a normal human who can't know the future. We can't know the future, what's gonna happen.
0: Right. And he's probably obviously aware of society, secret societies and Taken oaths, and you know just like we were talking about that j f k speech where he's like, you know where there, there are secret societies who take secret oaths and stuff, um which obviously after not too long after he gave that speech he he did not uh live very long, but in Jesus probably the same way at the same time, people are still obviously aware of the oaths that that um certain people took who had prestige and power, it's like you don't need to, you don't have to do all that, yeah, yeah. This is a big one because this is the one that we see in our world today so much. An eye for an eye. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Even if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, you go with them too. Give to the one who asks and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Man. And I know that last part is probably hard for a lot of us, but you know, everyone's sitting there saying this person shot at me. So we got to shoot them back. We got to, we should defend ourselves and we should do this. And it's like, actually anyone who claims to be a Christian, which 2 billion people out there, you should be turning the cheek and anyone who did anything wrong to you, you should you know, offer them whatever they want and not be engaging in these wars. And this makes, you know, a lot of, sense if you're supposed to be peacemakers yeah same thing with the with the um going to court as well it's like someone trying to sue you and take from you again don't if they want your shirt give them hand over your coat your jacket the money in your pockets don't let people take you to court don't people let you waste your life saying they're arguing over over material possessions and things like that yeah
1: and this it's also just to me just it explains again that you just have to have an open heart and. And it's it's very hard for people even just to do what they're asked, but to but to but to have it as a as a rule in your head. If somebody's asking for this amount, sometimes you can do it as like with homeless people, for example. Some homeless person asks you for $10, you should give them 20 because yeah. they know that you love them and you care about them and you will be Christ to them because you gave them 20 instead of the 10 that they asked for. And
0: in, in all honesty, when Christ talks about giving, I don't know if it's in this Matthew part that we have or not, but he actually yeah. says to give with your love left hand so that your right doesn't know so it's like to go digging in your pockets and pull it out and just hand it over whatever you got without any attachment was it a 10 was it a 20 was it a 30 and in my experience with that direct situation when i've given to people without attachment to it when i've given you know more than people expected somebody say hey man you got a couple bucks and i handed them a 20 and i was i gave these people that i knew these homeless people that i knew you know a big hug and told them i loved them So here's some Here's something for tonight and tomorrow. Um, I was able to sell things that I couldn't sell, I couldn't give away, and then all of a sudden, someone offered me premium price to buy them. I'm like, absolutely sure. And I and I knew after getting off the phone with them that it was because I gave to other people in a way that the universe was now giving back to me. That when I hold back treasures and riches and things that people need from the people that I that I know, the universe holds back for me. But when I give wholeheartedly to people without attachment and I'm grateful to be able to give and, and make people happy and give gifts to people, the universe is going to give to me and is and people are going to give back to me in the same way that I give to others. That's why it says, you know, how you judge is how you're judged. How you give is how you get, you know? Yeah.
1: And as we mentioned earlier, the, this is almost like another reversal here. You've heard it said, "Love your enemy and hate your en- uh, "Love your neighbor and hate your enemy." But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, um, that you may call it, you may be children of your Father in heaven. Um, and that that to, to me, that's just central to appreciating the, the heart of what Jesus is trying to get us to do, is to stop stop seeing it in terms of the in group and the out group, and and which is what Christianity often is. Is we have these belief systems, those people have those belief systems. And they are now our enemy on some level, but it's like to to see everyone as worthy of of being a part of your circle. You were praying for everyone, regardless of whether or not we we see them as as hostile or friendly to us. And from their perspective, we can see them as worthy of, of that of that love from us.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: And uh, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Is it's kind of a challenge you want for people to understand. Maybe that's. uh I mean, it, it, it's almost like, you know, we're being asked to 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 think in, in terms of the completed work of of, of who we are and, and see ourselves as as capable of being fully perfect and loving mm-hmm. by by this, um, and, and just seeing that that as a possibility that we can see ourselves as perfect and like Jesus, recognizing that's a way that we can go in and and see ourselves as that. I think is. Pulling us towards that, but what's your take on that
0: verse, Jacob? The love your enemies, so but yeah, be, very similar, be perfect um, also. Oh, be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect, yes, I do think that this is the challenge. You know that our that God, the universe is perfect. Everything is happening the way it's supposed to happen, and we should emulate that. That's what makes Jesus the only Son of God. Is because the only Son emulates god in the exact same way that god is and therefore we are capable of doing that same thing we're capable of loving giving others people free will and allowing people to be themselves and and still you know loving them helping them healing them you know giving them our jacket and realizing like you don't have to be in lack, you know, uh, one of the verses says, you know, doesn't your father love you and give you good gifts. And doesn't your heavenly father know you even better than that and give you better gifts than that, if you allow it. And it's like, all you have to do is know who you are, who you are. Like I am, I am a child of God. I am royalty. I am entitled. I mean, at the same time as I'm, I'm humble, but I realize I have to realize too, that I am, you know, uh, important as is, is anybody who ever has come or anybody will come, and that being perfect uh, as our Heavenly Father and emulating that perfection, it's not something that we should say is impossible, but all things are possible with God, and that means we can do it too. Yeah. And we should be doing it. And imagine, it's such a tall order, but imagine if we were all doing it and really working on I mean, those first two commandments, which is, you know, love your Lord, your God with all your mind and body and soul, and then learning to love others too, and then learning to love your enemies because it's easy to love, you know, people that you like and your friends, but learning to love your enemies, man, there's something about that. That's even more challenging because that in itself, getting over those things, walking into work that day and throwing up the flag of surrender and talking to somebody and finding out, Hey man, what is it? You know? that you have against me or what is it you think that we could do to bury the hatchet? Man, there's something magical in that moment that will be freeing for anybody who has an enemy at work or at school or, you know, whatever, like, you you know, the father would be perfect and, and heal that relationship. And so that's what we need to do too. You know, don't go to work every day and be miserable and have to turn the, turn the other way and concentrate, try to avoid somebody because that's going to end up being worse then, if you just go in there and say, Man, I apologize for my end of this. And, you know, I love you and I care about you and I don't want anything bad to happen to you. And, you know, that's when you'll find this magical moment where this person is more like you than you could possibly ever imagine.
1: Absolutely. So it looks like we've been going for about an hour, Jacob, and we're through all of the chapter
0: five. So
1: <laughs> I know. Man. So uh, we, we could we could promise people we'll keep on going through this and future. We had good intentions. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But we were, we were going to go up to what, like 25, 26 even. So yeah, there's a lot to cover. Uh, that's going to be more so maybe we should just stop it there. Yeah, I had it up to Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats. So we're not going to get anywhere close to that. So I mean, we definitely have a good stopping point here at the love love for enemies. So um, maybe we could just close it out and then uh, have our discussion here at the end. Yep. So and- let, Mike. yeah, feel free. Go ahead and, and you know, since we are going to end it here you have anything else you want to share on this topic and, and, um, you know, share it with our viewers for tonight?
1: Well, I guess there's a lot to share on this, but I just want to remind people that, uh, if you want to join the the live streams, you can go to essentialworks.tv and find Mystery School on, on there and find the, it's basically a Zoom link right now, but we're going to try to expand this into more platforms, more ways to connect. Um, um, but, uh yeah i'm i'm very excited to keep keep having these conversations because it, it it definitely feels like you've said that there that there there's there's a yearning in my, in my soul also that there is there's there's a lot of division in our in our society around people who are sort of uh in the materialist or uh, mainstream views that that haven't been raised as christians and then there's the christians who don't know how to integrate um a lot of what they were raised with 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 a uh, culture which seems to be pushing away from um, certain kinds of mystical or um, spiritual thinking in terms of um, you know why are things happening the way they are. It's not just about physics and science. This is about kind of spiritual science and metaphysics that is causing things to unfold the way that it is. And so I think having a larger, more coherent uh, perspective of these these teachings is is very, very critical for people to come come more into coherent perspective of of what's really going on with our reality. And really, this is still the same, it's the same lessons Jesus was teaching that are the lessons that are most needed. If we can just come back into this concept of praying for your enemies, loving people, doing what it takes to open your heart as much as possible towards everyone you meet and be that, be that change on the earth that's needed, become Jesus to other people as it's needed. That's, that's really the the, the main
0: lesson that, that is still so important for everyone right now. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Alex that was beautiful. And I, you know, I just want to end with how grateful I am to be able to, to sit in the country where we're able to talk about these things as of yet. Um, but I want to let people know too, you know, that as much as it said that Jesus is this loving, you know, beautiful, truthful person, he was a quite bit of a badass himself. You know what I mean? He turned over the money tables that, um, at the synagogues because that's what they had turned it into a money exchange. He didn't like that. And he was done with that. And like, he really questioned and he really um, pushed authority away and said, you guys don't have any authority over me. You don't have any authority over these people. And you know, it's like he was this free man. He was the, this organic, raw, free human. And he was given every single one of us, the permission to be that exact same thing you can do all the miracles that i'm doing and greater things than that he gave us permission to do more and greater things than he ever did and he walked on water supposedly and he healed people and he you know what i mean so how is this guy this is the only son of god given us permission to do all the same things because we're the sons and daughters of God too. And by being the only son, we have to be perfect as our heavenly father is and how, our, how God is. And it gives us free will to be who we are, make those choices. But to know that the parable is, we are all the parable of the lost sons and the lost daughters. And it's okay to go out and do the things you got to do and eventually forgive yourself and go back. And when you go back to the father, it it is killing the fatty calf for you. It is loving you. It is arms wide open. No questions asked because you had to go out and you had to go do those things. And you learn about who you were and what, what you came from and who you are. And it's a beautiful story, man. It is a beautiful story. It's a beautiful parable. And we are, just missing the point, I think overall by putting someone on on a pedestal and not really hearing. He said, "You know, for those who have ears, hear. And those who have eyes to see, to perceive, to know what he's saying is important. And that's what and that's what we need to know is what is what is the message that's coming from this messenger, and not just putting this messenger on the, on the pedestal. Because um, I think he did love us, and I think that we are incredibly beautiful human beings, and we live in the Garden of Eden right now." We just don't see it and we're constantly fighting and hurting and killing each other. And it's just, it's unneeded. It's totally unneeded and we don't need to find polarization in a certain religion or a certain politics and so much that we're going to make fun of people or hurt people's feelings or say mean things. When we realize we're all really literally brothers and sisters and we're all one race of the human race, it makes no sense. What's at all at all. And so to me, going back and really reading these things and, and diving into it myself I feel free. I feel free from even the belief of what Christianity is supposed to be. But the organic meat of, of the matter that's in there for me, the proof is in the pudding. What he's saying, it, it frees me and empowers me. And I feel like that's all we're trying to do tonight is trying to bring back, resurrect this these teachings that Christ gave us um, to know that we are all powerful, that we are all one, that we are amazing beings, and that we should learn to love each other as ourselves and learn to love yourself too you're part of that equation each one of us and if we learn to do that no one can manipulate us into fighting each other hurting each other killing each other because we're all we're all one human race and hurting anybody is hurting ourselves and so tonight i want to say thank you guys all for joining us on ascension works if you're watching live on youtube right now um i'm extremely grateful i think now more than ever realizing. That yeah, Each and every single one of us doing the work literally is changing the world that an eye for an eye literally leaves the world blind. But when we love each other and we care about each other, we do the work that's necessary. We, we are changing the world one by one. And that resonant energy is creating something that means no longer control for a few, but it means freedom for all. And I think that's what's most important, that we can be free, that we can live on this planet in an amazing, incredible way that we once did. And people right now are living in that amazing, incredible free way. And if we only resonate with that, we can change the world. So I just want to say thank you every single one of you tonight that is watching with us and the ones that will watch later on. Please like and subscribe, share and do your work, do your inner work, because it's so important and it's so needed this time. The light in me sees, honors, and recognizes the light that's in every single one of you, the divine nature that's in every single human being out there. You are loved more than you possibly know, and I love you, and I honor every single one of you. Namaste. Namaste.